You're listening to Dialed In, a National Club Golfer podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Dialed In. Yes, it is major time. The PGA Championship at Kiwa Island, the second of the big four tournaments of the year. And we are very, very excited about it. Can you tell? I am joined, as always, by NCG's form tipster. He gets very excited for these weeks as well. It is Barry Plummer. Welcome, Barry. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? Yeah, how do you feel about the PGA? I mean, in the pantheon of majors, so where do you think it stacks up? I think the move to May has helped it. Yeah, I like it. I think it almost sort of stands separate a little bit. Obviously, it doesn't, but um, it has a bit of a different feel to it. It feels a bit like the major that anyone can win, um, almost. In, in you know, it's um, you know played on that different course each year, and obviously we're going back to a course which we know this year, um, and there's so many top players who are in great form coming into this event I think it's one of the most exciting majors that I can remember in a long time in that there are so many players that could potentially win yeah we'll get into some of those in a few minutes Um, let's talk a little bit about the course Um, sometimes the PGA gets a little bit of grief for some of the layouts that it's on but in recent years it's been it's been pretty substantial I was lucky enough to be at Bethpage when um, when Brooks Kepka won in 19 and here we are at Kiwa Island uh, Pete Dye classic uh, renowned for the war on the shore and the Ryder Cup in 1991. Yeah and I think the the one word you can use to describe this course is long isn't it which is what you'd expect of of a major championship test it's going to be tough I mean the typical Pete Dye course you're looking at forced carries you're looking at big um, you know, expanses of water. You're looking at the the difficulties around every turn, and I think players um, are going to need to have a good temperament as well as a strong golf game to be able to navigate around there this week. Is it the longest major championship course ever? I think it's seven thousand six hundred and seventy-six yards, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's incredibly long, and and I think actually you'd think maybe looking at that that it will play into the hands of the bombers and you know your Brysons and and people like that, but. There is also an element of strategy to this course. You can't be um, miles offline here. Uh, you know, it's all well and good being long, but you also need to be able to keep it in the fairway because the rough around here is long, thick. It's going to be really difficult to get out of. And, you know, it's really good to reward players who are strong off the tee. My abiding memory of the 1991 Ryder Cup, and yes, I am old enough to remember it, unfortunately, is Ian Woosnam hitting out an absolutely massive bunker. I think it was on the 17th. Yeah, well, I would love to comment, Steve, but I wasn't born, so um, I'm not really sure that's uh, part of my uh, in my wheelhouse. Are you getting your are you getting your arrows in early before you? <laughs> well done, well done, Barry. I'll remember that for later on. I mean, talking about particular holes, are there any that that stand out for you? I mean, clearly the finish at Kiwa is particularly fiendish. Yeah, I mean, there's so many famous courses aren't there around America which have got really strong closing closing holes and where, you know, in a major championship, you would expect there to be a lot of drama coming in. And, and we know that that will be the case at Kiora Island. And, um, you know, I think it, the players who are going to be there or thereabouts are going to be there on merit. And you can probably expect that to come from somewhere towards the top of the market. I would be absolutely gobsmacked, I think, this week if you were getting something miles down coming through and winning. 
Well, let's uh, just go through a couple of them because I did for nationalclubgolfer.com. So I'm actually I'm actually on topic for a change. <laughs> the 17 for par three, 223 yards. I mean, let's just take out the bit about the dies and 17 holes. Um, obviously, with Sawgrass and the Island Green, um, it's just a hole I think that um, players are going to have to ignore the pin, particularly on the final day, and if the wind's up. I mean, it just looks terrifying—a huge carry of water—and if you add in that breeze and a penultimate hole of a championship, I think you're just going to be one swing from disaster there. And then and then the final hole, a 500-yard par four. Um, I think Dye, when he designed these holes, thought that the tension that would build up around sort of 14, 17, and 18, he, he called them monsters. And he thought that that would be a really fitting end to a Ryder Cup. And I think it's going to be a really fitting end to this PGA Championship as well. Fairway rolls to the right, kicking drives in that direction. June's cut in front of the green that falls off on either side. So um, this is a tournament that is not going to be won, you would think, although Rory McIlroy um, defied that uh, nine years ago, I think. But it's not going to be won, you would think, until the final hole. Yeah, and I think another interesting point to make there, as you, as you just mentioned about the course, is that all of the holes run um, east to west, so they're not susceptible to crosswinds. And, and actually, as you mentioned with the wind, the wind will definitely play um, a massive part in this, um, especially as you go down the back nine. And it's like you said, that more linksy feel to it. Um, not many courses on on the tour uh, play with Paspalum either as the surface, and that's going to be very slow for players to putt on. It's going to be a lot of things that players are going to have to get their head around very quickly um, because there aren't too many that played back in 2012 that are teeing up in the top part of the market. And that just shows you how far, you know, the uh, the younger players in the game have come to be able to compete at the top level. Yeah, just going back to that surface, for those of us who haven't heard much about it before, just explain what it is and what it does to golfers. Yeah, I think it's, it's typically a little bit harder to read. Um, obviously, as I said, it's slower. I think actually it's, it's used quite a lot um, around Australia, I believe, as one of the, the surfaces out there. Um, and, you know, you can expect around the greens here some some really tight mow-off, uh, mow, uh, run-off areas. Um, they're not massive greens. I think you'll be looking at, you know, the greening regulations being an important stat this week. And if not doing well in that, definitely scrambling. Well, Rory McIlroy's victory at Quail Hollow, of course, he knows very well, has put him to the top of the market. He is uh, short as 10 to 1 in some places. And obviously, with his connection to Kiwa, he won the PGA Championship here in 2012. It's no surprise. With that and an injection of form, he is heading the fray close up behind him. The Spaniard John Rahm, surely only a matter of time um, before he uh, gets a major in the bank. Justin Thomas, third favourite. Jordan Spieth uh, in good form all season. And I'm sure we'll talk about Jordan a bit later on. Get prices of 16 to 1 for him. Bryson DeChambeau at 16 to 1. Dustin Johnson, half a dozen down the market list for the world number one. And then it's, I mean, it's as you would expect from a major it's a collection of stars Barry yeah and as, as I mentioned you can you know top sort of 20 in the market you can probably make a strong case for any of them to go on and, and do really well and it's going to be a case of where's the value who's who's in the best form and actually who's got maybe the best major pedigree and who's going to uh, contend for you at a decent price come Sunday you won't be old enough to remember this, but this podcast has felt a little bit like one of those calls where you used to ring them up and have to wait 12 minutes to find out who's going to win. So <laughs> let's get on with it. Let's get to the point that people are here for. 
Um, and we talked about Jordan Spieth, and he has been in fabulous form all season. Great to see um, the American back to his best. And he is your top tip for the PGA Championship. According to you, Spieth's going to win the Grand Slam this weekend. Yeah, I spoke about in our Masters preview that, you know, that it just felt like that sort of, um, <clears throat> that that sort of, fairy tale for Jordan Spieth was coming with the way that he had that sort of resurgence to form obviously winning in Texas if you look at his form over the last six events it's just absolutely ph phenomenal he's had uh, a win two top fives two top tens um, he's not finished outside the top ten in his last four starts he, he's just you know riding the crest of a wave really he probably should have been a bit closer um, last week at the Byron Nelson and actually I'm quite pleased he wasn't because you know that may have taken a little bit out of him um, contending on, on Sunday again but I think, you know, when you look at his stats as well over the last three months, he's somebody who um, you can tell he's just playing um, some of the best golf he's played in a long time. He ranks ninth for strokes gained tee to green, which will be important here. Um, 20th for strokes gained putting and third for strokes gained total. So all around that sort of game is, is really coming together and he's starting to ascend back to the top of, you know, world golf. And, and for me, as a big Jordan Speed fan, it would be absolutely incredible to see him take the career Grand Slam. Um, this week at Kira Island. What do you make of the Byron Nelson and and his performance in that? I mean, you, you couldn't really get two different events, could you? I mean, the Byron Nelson turned into an absolute birdie fest and, and this is going to be, by contrast, much more difficult, particularly if the wind gets up. I mean, do you just see this as a nice, gentle stroll for Jordan where he racks up a bit of confidence. He can say, oh, I'm well under par this week. Everything's ticking in the right direction. Or are there some players who who are going to get a shock because this is going to be a lot more tougher? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is like, it's going to be a total shift and a different, totally different test this week. Um, I think we know that Jordan Spieth has got that pedigree on those linksy type courses, obviously won the Open Championship in 2017 and has got that sort of experience of, of playing in all different um, conditions, really, I suppose, which is why I feel a bit more comfortable going with him over some of the others this week. Um, but, but ultimately, for me, this feels, this selection feels a bit like when we were on Dustin Johnson at the Masters in November. He came into that in the best form you could possibly be in, few wins, top fives, um, you know, littered around him in terms of his recent starts. And actually, it feels very similar with Jordan Spieth. And I couldn't find a reason not to pick Dustin Johnson last time and similarly I can't find a reason not to pick Jordan Spieth this time. How would you compare this course with something like Whistling Straits for example which was although although he really was in contention to a point I mean that was Jason Day's tournament to win and he did win it comfortably but do you see some similarities there that was I think the last time he really really contended in a PGA wasn't it? Yeah, and, you know, that's the thing. We're, we're looking again, at, aren't we, at Jordan Spieth, looking for him to start contending in majors again. And as you mentioned, there are probably a, a lot of comparisons that you can make between this and Whistling Straits. Um, and actually, Jordan should be able to draw on his experience of playing on those tougher courses. Um, and everybody wants to see him contending back at major championships again. I mean, he, he finished third, didn't he, I think, at the Masters, although was sort of not really close enough to really challenge after, you know, Hideki sort of tried to run away with it. Um so it, although he was third, he wasn't massively contending. I think we need a week where we see Jordan Spieth right up there on Sunday with a real chance of winning on the back nine. Yeah, you, you went through uh, some of his stats from tee to green, putting, um, strokes gain total. I mean, I always think that, um, although it's been less of a factor this year, that driving 
um, has always been Jordan's Achilles heel. I mean, will he get away with the big wild ones here at Kiwa? Um, uh, no, I think is the uh, is the simple answer to that. I think he's going to have to have one of his better performances off the tee. I mean, it's encouraging that he's ninth for strokes gained tee to green, but obviously factored into that is the approach play, which we know he's brilliant at, and that sort of rescues him a little bit. He's not as good in terms of strokes gained off the tee, but we have seen some better driving performances from uh, Jordan Spieth recently, and I think if we can see something, even if he's managing to keep it on the fairway, um, the majority of the time, he's going to give himself opportunities to play to his strengths, which is finding the green and putting well. Yeah, so Jordan Spieth, your top tip. I mean, I presume we'll get to it later on, but I presume he'll probably be your banker for the PGA Championship as well. But moving on, uh, Jordan in the bank, who's next uh, for your selections? Next best for me is, is got to be Victor Hovland, another player who's coming into this in, in amazing form. Last four events, third place, third place, 25th, 21st. Um, those back-to-back third place finishes are, are impressive for me. And there's a lot of little trends which I've picked up on, which, which make me really like Victor Hovland this week. Um, one goes back to the 2012 edition of the PJ Championship when it was last at Kiora Island, where seven of the top 10 players were European. We know that this course can suit European players with that sort of linksy feel um, and the test it, it poses. Um, but also the fact that both of his wins to date on the PJ Tour have both come on past Fallon surfaces. And I mentioned that some uh, players will struggle with that. Um, but he seems to thrive on it. And, you know, winning the uh, Maya Cobra El Camaleon Golf Club in Mexico, um, that was on Paspalum and he, he sort of ran away with that. He did, uh, played fantastically well. He's had a really great 12 months and he, he's got so much potential moving forwards. He sort of reminds me a little bit of the profile of last year's winner, Colin Morikawa, when he turned up as a younger guy and sort of um, dazzled, really. And, you know, it, Victor Hovland's you can mention him in the same breath as Morikawa, so there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to step forward and, and do something similar. Let's moving on from Victor Hovland to another player who's been in great form this season, Cameron Smith, available at 40 to 1, Barry, with um, with Bet365. Um, what's in Cameron's favour this week at Kiwa? Uh, I think he's been one of the players of the season so far. Uh, obviously, one last time out with, with Mark Leishman at the Zurich Classic, a great win for him. Um, and when you look at his form again, a win and four top 11 finishes in his last seven starts. Um, his, his figures, his, his strokes gain figures are just sensational. Last three months, he's sixth for strokes gain putting, 13th for strokes gain tee to green, and first um, out of the top 150 in the world for strokes gain total. Um, he's already won three times on the PJ Tour, and his reputation is growing sort of across the world, really. I think. Cameron Smith, for me, would also make um, quite a good sort of first round leader bet simply because um, he, far, he starts fast every single time um, he's out there. He seems to get on a bit of a birdie run and, and, and you know, start off well. Now, that might not happen this week, obviously, with the, the, the difficulty of the course. But I, I favour him to always give us a good run for our money on a first round leader bet. Um, he's needs to take the next step in his career to be really considered as one of the top players in the world and you know why not in an event like this um, could he not step up and and do that as a PGA champion yeah one of the great things about major championships is the bookies uh try to get our business in a very big way which normally means more places um and uh, bet365 obviously offering eight but you can get as many as 11 um, with some firms. And that obviously gives us an opportunity to sort of spread down the market to try and find some value. I 
hopefully get a big priced runner in at um, at 10th or 11th place. So uh, looking at some of the long shots on offer this week, Barry, who's the principal one for you? Principal long shot this week is Billy Horschel. Um, I was absolutely gobsmacked to see that you could get him at 140 to one. I mean, for me, that's just that's probably double what it should be um and with 11 places as you mentioned on offer with some firms it's well worth a little each way bet because when you look at Horschel's sort of last six months or so he's risen to 18th in the world rankings um you know playing some of his best golf in recent years he was a winner at the Dell match play he was a runner-up at the WGC championship earlier on in the year at concession um he's playing well in tournaments of really high quality fields on some difficult courses um he's also obviously an experienced pro um, he'll have played very similar venues to Kira Island across PJ Championships and US Opens over the years, which, you know, are, are designed to test golfers. Um, and, you know, when you look again at his stats, they're, they're modest, 20th for strokes gained off the tee, 28th for strokes gained putting. But when you think about the fact that for, you're getting that sort of player for 140 to 1, for me, it's a no-brainer to include him as a, a small stake each way bet. Will he win? Probably, maybe not. Um, but, you know, could he get you a top 11? Absolutely. So that's your main foursome, Barry, for the PGA Championship and plenty for punters to chew on there. But um, with this being a major, uh, clearly the best players in the world are here. And there are some bigger prices further down the market, obviously, with the likes of McElroy, Rahm, Thomas and Spieth. I'm dominating the bookies' attentions. You've picked out one particular player, Barry, and although there's been some injury concerns about him, he is available at a very big price. And over the past few years, this guy has been Mr. Major. Yeah, I mean, again, another surprising price, really, I suppose. 50 to 1 for Brooks Kepka. You, you can't ignore Brooks Kepka at that sort of price. I mean, I can't remember a time where you've ever uh, had Kepka at that price at the time that I've been. Um, having a bet on golf and actually I think although like you said he's had a bit of an injury concern um, and he's not played a lot of golf he's the sort of player who can turn up and, and play majors really well and, and you know potentially go and get you a, a decent return it's worth remembering that you know only three starts ago even though it was a good few weeks he finished runner-up so he, he's his golf is he's, he's there and you know he's, he's still a top player He's been unlucky with injuries. He wasn't brilliant when he played at the Masters after just making it. But, you know, you can excuse him for that. And you hope that actually that these past few weeks he's been rehabilitated and getting stronger. And actually, I think, you know, people could underestimate Brooks Kepper and that that could be at the peril of the uh, bookmakers. Does missing the cut um, harm him last week? I suppose not really. I mean, I, I, I think he's... Um, attitude towards PGA Tour events is caricatured to a certain extent. I mean, you know, he wants to win every time he plays, but there is something about him at major time that really switches on. You know, you can't have the record he has in major championships without being able to get dialed in for for a big week. So, I mean, he missed the cut last week, three under par when everyone else was was birdieing the lights out of the place. But I, I for me, that wouldn't be a particular problem. No, absolutely not. And, you know, every player, when they come back after a, a, an absence of that length, needs to shake the rust off. And that may well have been, those couple of rounds may have been enough to shake the rust off for Kepka, give him a little bit of stuff that he maybe wants to tweak and work on and get himself over in plenty of time um, to be able to go and get himself settled at Kira Island and, and you know, get his, his game face on for this week because he'll want to, uh, on, a, on a course which you can um, really, uh, you know, it's long enough for him to really open up on. And we all know about his 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 words over the years with with Bryson, who's also going to fancy himself on this type of course. 
um, I'm sure he won't want to uh, give anything away. I mean, do you think that in that sense, then the bookies have gone a bit overboard with the price? I mean, all right, he's missed a, the cut the last two times he's, he's played at the Byron Nelson and the Masters. And as you say, he hasn't played a lot for obvious reasons, but it's not long ago he was winning the Phoenix. Then he was obviously tied runner-up at the workday. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of good form in there. Yeah, I mean, and when you look at some of the players that are, are shorter prices than him in the uh, in the betting, and you know, with with pretty average form. I mean, Patrick Cantlay is is around forty to one. Um, very average form recently. Four missed cuts in the last sort of six or seven weeks. Um, uh, you know, with with Brooks, I think you've got a, a a major championship pedigree there. He knows how to win major championships. He's got a lot of experience. Um, he's one that players will fear, and I think actually. Um, when you see the prices at, I, I actually, I, I would be shocked for anyone to be able to talk me out of, uh, of not putting a few quid each way on him. I mean, is he one of those players then where you speculate to accumulate um, because he's available at 50? Um, we don't necessarily know what the extent of or the latest on his injury is. You could take a punt on Kepka. He could go into his press conference and say, yeah, everything with my knee is, is OK. And then his price will plummet, won't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, I don't think that price will be around too much longer. I think if you want him, you know, to get on that, you need to do it pretty soon because, you know, the market reacts to the the, the popularity of players as well, as we know. And, and I think he will be a popular one at that price. And I think uh, bookmakers won't want to offer that for too much longer. I mean, there's when you look around him in the market, there's so many there that have a real, you know, obvious sort of chance of of doing well in this tournament. And that might be the bracket between sort of 40 to 1 and 60 to 1. Any of those players might be the ones to look at for your each way value because they're just, you know, they've all they've all got a, a pretty good chance. Yeah, interesting to see when you say that the Masters champion Hideki Matsuyama right in that bracket um, at 40 to 1 with bet 365. Anyone else that really shines out to you, Barry, where you think, do you know what, he's worth a couple of my pounds? Maybe, yeah, maybe not in the winner's market, but maybe in sort of a top 10, maybe market. I like Scotty Scheffler. Um, I, I tipped him last week and he was he was OK. I mean, it was like you said, it was birdie fest and he didn't really keep up. I mean, he still shot sort of minus eight. I think it was a minus nine in the end, and um, was nowhere near. But he's the sort of player who suits this type of um, venue in that, you know, he's, he's got the length. Um, he's shown he can compete on major championship stages. Um, he's, he's, you know, an up-and-coming player who's, who's got plenty of, uh, of potential, um, and he might be worth a little, a little bit of a go in a, in a, a side market of a top ten or a top twenty. Yeah, I've been trapped with this player once in a major already this year, but 150 to one. Uh, I might have to have just a little tickle on Matt Kuchar, um, who had a solid week last week at the Byron Nelson, apart from a final round plus one. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to forgive him that because um, it was awful conditions towards the end. And um, it was clear that KH Lee was so far in front, he was going to be difficult to be caught. And what I like what I've seen from Kucha this year is trending in the right direction. You know, he's just starting to pop up again on leaderboards. And although he didn't do it for me at the Masters, 150 to 1, up to 11 places, I'm going to have a peak. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, that trend, you know, we all know that how well he played at the match play. And then since then, he's had three top 20s in his last four events. He's, he's getting back to playing some really steady golf. And we know that he is another player who lives for the majors and plays particularly well. Um, I will also mention, uh, seeing as you're up in, in that 
bracket of the uh, of, of of the odds. Um, our, our friend Bob McIntyre is up there as well. Obviously played fantastically well at the uh, the Masters and finishing twelfth. Since then, has, has played really well. Was eighth last time out uh, last week on the European Tour. Um, he's another player who, who isn't scared of anything. He's not scared of any of the courses, and, and he'll be up for a really tough test. Do you know what I liked about him last week? He was disappointed. He was disappointed at the Belfry because he was there at halfway uh, and didn't quite deliver over the over the weekend, and he was annoyed about that. And that shows you um, just how far he's coming. That you know he expected when he got himself into position to perform well. And that's always a good sign about a young player. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's the sort of attitude which comes across at all of his events. It doesn't matter whether it's a European tour event, a knockabout with his mates, or or whether it's on a major championship. From from speaking to him, we know that um, his attitude towards towards playing golf is if he goes out and he's not trying to win, then he doesn't bother. So he'll be going out with the intention of trying to give this a really good go. What are your thoughts in general about the... Great Britain and Ireland challenge this week. I mean, Rory McIlroy's claims are obvious. I mean, we don't really need to go into that in in any particular fashion. His um, his legacy at Kiwa and his current form speaks for itself. But you you go into that bracket that we talked about earlier, and you suddenly see the likes of Matt Fitzpatrick and Tommy Fleetwood. I mean, I, I sense Fitzpatrick is on the verge of doing something on the PGA Tour. If he could just get little bits of his game a, a bit more sharpened up, um, he could be the one to spring a surprise at, at 60 to 1. But oh, not too far behind is, is Paul Casey. Justin Rose has shown little flashes um, this year. Shane Lowry as well. I mean, how do you assess the Homewood challenge? Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you, actually, because Fitzpatrick is probably the last name that didn't quite make my shortlist. In that, the only thing that really sort of concerned me about him was his, was his length off the tee. He's not the longest, and you know this is going to be a difficult test in that way. But I mean, it's another player who's been in absolutely brilliant form. He might be one to have a look at in the top GB and I market, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, because as you said, he's definitely trending towards getting getting a PGA Tour win or, or better, obviously, if he can play well this week. But we've got a strong um, selection of players who, who've got every chance and obviously they look to be um, some of the value players so there'll be much for us to be cheering if they're in contention I'm sure. Lots of weird and wonderful markets on a major championship early days at the moment Barry we're recording this on Monday evening so not everything is out there yet but anything that sort of catches your eye as we end this preview? As I mentioned, some of, I think my specials at the moment would, would probably be looking at maybe a Cameron Smith first round leader, maybe a Matthew Fitzpatrick top GB and I. Um, but then also, actually, when you're looking at um, further down the, the markets, when you're looking at the players that we mentioned earlier on about Bob McIntyre and people like that, it's, it's worth looking at who they are um, paired with for their early rounds on, on Thursday and Friday, because it, those players don't tend to always get the headline players playing in their groups. And, and actually, they could be some good value in some um, you know some match bets uh, for uh, Thursday and Friday when the players are trying to try and fit, uh, try and find their feet. So I'll be waiting until um, the tea times come out to have a look at those. And I don't even need to ask you, Barry Dewar, for your banker this week. I'm sure you're all in on Jordan for the Grand Slam. What would he be? The sixth player to to, to win all four of the modern majors? Yeah, there's absolutely no question in my mind that he's my banker. And I think you know, I think if you asked most. Uh, golf fans who've been following Jordan over the last few years, it really would be um, a fairy tale for him. Um, I can only imagine the excitement that we'd get from Alex um, if uh, Jordan was to win as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, he's, there's no question mark.
pleasure to be in your company again this week, Barry. Best of luck with all your selections uh, for the PGA Championship. Thanks, Steve. And you? And don't forget, you can read much more in detail about Barry's selections for the PGA Championship this week in his column on nationalclubgolfer.com. I am sure he will be back as the major progresses to give you some updated prices and some updated tips as events unfold at Kiwar Island. Best of luck to all of you. If you are having a bet this week and the second major, please remember if you're doing so to gamble responsibly. It's one of the best weeks of the year. Have fun and we'll see you next week on Dialed In.